was a rock singer for Nirvana. He rocked the United States by flying all over the country and playing that rock and roll. Here's a good singer. Here's my rock star. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Nirvana's 1991 Nevermind album, which has sold more than 10 million copies, turned Kurt Cobain into a spokesman for his generation. It is a matter with which he was never comfortable. He can really rock like a magic kiss. He can really play that rock and roll. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there Wesley Willis with his song, Kurt Cobain. And today, in honor of Kurt Cobain, rest in peace. And in honor of my 25th anniversary of me interviewing Kurt Cobain, I'm going to play a whole bunch of Nirvana-related interviews. Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, today on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Right now, I'm going to play an interview, my first encounter with Nirvana on March 8th, 1991. This is from March 8th, 1991. It's a phone interview that I did with Chris of Nirvana. They were playing that evening at the Commodore Ballroom with the Screaming Trees and the Wongs as well. And from Montreal, Quebec, the Doughboys. So this is my encounter with Chris of Nirvana from March the 8th, 1991, on the phone on CITR. And again today, playing a whole bunch of related Nirvana interviews because today, January 4th, 2019 is 25 years from 
January 4th, 1994, my first encounter with Kurt Cobain, but not my first encounter with Nirvana. That was on March the 8th, 1991. And here is that interview right now. Let's go back to March 8th, 1991 on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You're listening to CITR Radio, and uh, we have a surprise phone caller here today. Yeah. Caller, who are you? I'm Chris from Nirvana. (coughs) The rock group Nirvana. The rock band Nirvana. Why are you in Vancouver tonight, Nirvana? Because we have a show. Is this your first show in Vancouver? No. Of course not. You played the last time here with Sonic Youth. Right on, man. Yeah, we played with um, Sonic Youth, and then we played before, too, with Tad, the band Tad. And so this is your third time in Vancouver, British Columbia, then? Right right on, brother. Now, the rock band Nirvana from Seattle, Washington? Anna, Anna. We're from Tacoma and Olympia. Tacoma, Tacoma, home of the girl trouble? Home of girl girl trouble, home of girl trouble, Sonics. Inspector Love? White trash. Inspector Love and the Ride Me Babies? Ah, whatever. (laughs) So when you were hearing you were coming to Vancouver, British Columbia again, Mr. Nirvana Chris? Mr. Nirvana Chris? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do many guys in sub-pop bands have the name Chris? No, I don't know. How many are there Chris's in, in, on, on, well, actually I should say, should I say Geffen bands now? Yeah, Geffen bands. What are are some Chris's in Geffen bands? Axel's real name is Chris. Flash's real name is Chris. Uh, Cher's real name is Chris. John Auer from the Posies' real name is... His name is Chris. So are you getting, uh, being Nirvana, you've been linked up together with the the big friends, the Posies. Yeah, right on, right on. Who who are Bleach? Who are Bleach? Well, Bleach has many uses, household type thing. You know, you could like... uh, Clean things with it, and you can mix it with ammonia and totally pass out and see God. You know. No, Nirvana. It's been quoted that the screaming trees like Nirvana. Do Nirvana like the screaming trees? We love those guys. We love those guys a lot. So it's going to be such a good show tonight that people are going to be turned away at the door. That's too bad. I hope not. You know. Who gets? I'm praying for each and one of those souls. And I mean, we're having a prayer circle outside. We're hanging our heads and just saying, God, if you're going to pull through, let everybody in because, you know. Who are the Doughboys? They're these guys from uh, Montreal, Canada. And, um, no, is it true that you met them the other night? They told me that you met them the other night. Yeah, that's right, in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta. And, they, and you had a coffee with them? No, we smoked hash in the hotel room. Are drugs bad, Nirvana? No, 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 no. Drugs are the key. Remember the burning bush in Moses? Ha-ha! Everything else is just cruising. As I said earlier, Moses, did Moses spill his seed? I don't know, man. You know, the seed of love, you know? Plant the seed of love and you watch the tree grow, right? So when you were hearing you were coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, what was the first thought that popped into your mind? Wow, gee, we'll be headlining us, Nirvana, that's great. No. We're headlining? Screaming Trees are headlining. But, I mean, was that your... Th- you, you, you knew I, that... Mm, Canadian beer, all right. And that's good. High, high alcohol call, call, call content. How about when you... Have you ever been to the Commodore Ballroom before? Never, have ever. You ever. Have you been in there yet? 
Yes, I have. How would you describe it to the listeners? Springing and springing. You can jump up and down. When you pogo, if everybody like pogos collectively, the whole floor, just because this floor is like a springy floor, it's amazing. Is there a word that Nirvana likes to hear when they're playing? Yeah, fuck you. And, uh, <laughs> it's a constant stream of that? No, no, we get, what do we like to hear? Anything, really. We like to, we'd like to hear your comments, so write to Nirvana, P.O. Box, blah, blah, blah. You don't have, where's your P.O. Box? It's on the back of the record. The, but the record's out? Yeah, Bleach record. Now, the brand new Geffen record? Geffen record coming out in June or July. <laughs> now, isn't there a Vancouver band that's going to be on Geffen? Really? Yeah. There's a lot of bands on Geffen. Why the hell did we even go there? Isn't there a Vancouver band going to be on Geffen? A band that you just love the ashes of, don't you? Who? You know those guys from that band Slow from Vancouver? Their new band Copyright? Aren't they going to be on Geffen, Chris of Nirvana? I don't know, man. I don't, don't keep tabs on Geffen. You don't keep tabs on your label mates? Well, we're, we're new to the place, and we're just kind of assimilating ourselves and don't want to step on any toes or anything. And we're talking good about anybody, whether we like them or not, because that's the kind of the way the industry goes, brother. You know? So, hey, we'll do lunch tomorrow. And, uh, How you many, know... Uh, now, when you learned about this bill, who gets the sound check first? Screaming Trees? Nirvana? You know, Don't oh, Boys Longs? leave that to the sound men, man. People get paid to worry about that stuff. You know, I just kind of show up and do what I gotta do. You know what I mean? And what could that be? What sort of vintage instruments do you play? Oh, man. Well, we're going to have a total spread in guitar world. That It's just going to be, for me, I'm going to be on the cover of it. It's going to be the vintage instruments of Chris Novoselic. And where I'm going to be playing a, uh, uh, a classic collectible of guitar worth $10,000. A Hosner Batman-type looking guitar? Yeah, yeah, there you go, with all these Vegematic knobs on it and, and a, a built-in fuzz. So really, no. What is Vancouver known for, Chris of Nirvana? Oh, oh what is Vancouver known for? Lover boy. Uh, no left-hand turn lanes. Um. <laughs> and you ask me, what is Seattle? Expo. Expo. Expo '86. Invite the world. The invitation right. still stands. That's why you're coming back. Uh, now ask me, what is Seattle known for? Uh. Hmm. Ask me. Whole city in the United States. No, ask me. Oh, what's Seattle known for? Say, what's Seattle known for, Nardwar? What's Seattle known for, Nardwar? Um, Seattle's known for Queensryche. Queensryche? Yeah. Are oh, they? That's right, yeah. Or is that totally I wrong? I forgot about those guys. Yeah, whatever, you know. Everything could be put into perspective. And what are Queensryche doing today? I don't know. Singing their songs of love and hope and charity. And they're talking straight to you and me. And what are Loverboy doing today? They're doing the same thing. Well, I heard that they've moved to... They've adapted a monastery. Monastic, uh, or monastery, or whatever. Actually, you can buy you can buy Loverboy postcards uh, in L.A. In L.A. Really? In L.A. L.A. Vancouver. You know now, anybody who has like a Mike Reno headband? I know where Mike Reno lives. He lives in in, in North in West Vancouver, British no Columbia, Canada. Way. No way. You can go to his house and say Mike Reno, Mike Reno, Mike Reno, Mike Reno. And when he comes out of the driveway, I was yelling. Actually, I was yelling. Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, and it was really Mike Reno. And I, ye and when I yelled over to him, I said, "Were you in Loverboy?" And he means, and he, and I said, I said, yeah, I said, I said, "Were you in Loverboy?" And he yelled back, "What do you mean, were?" He's still in Loverboy, Mike Reno. Damn right. See, I, that I, was a faux pas. 
that he shouldn't, can't, you know, he probably will never forgive you. And you know what, Chris of Nirvana? What? You know what, Paul Dean of Loverboy? Yeah. The guitarist, Paul Dean from Vancouver, uh-huh. managed by Bruce Allen, who's been on this very phone line that you've been on. <gasps> Bruce Allen. Bruce uh, Allen from Vancouver. Um, Paul Dean of Loverboy said, keyboards are sort of like condoms. You should only use them when you have to. Do Nirvana share that sentiment? Uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we do. Or, or, yeah. or, or would you say, Chris, of... We use them like diaphragms. We just like leave them in for a few days at a time. Or would you say, Chris and Nirvana, would you say that um, a second guitar is sort of like condoms? You only need them when you have to? No, we might pick up a second guitar player. We had one for a while. And what happened to him? Oh, long story. Oh, Soundgarden. He, is he a nice guy? <laughs> yeah, I guess he's a nice guy. So you come into Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. This is the start of a worldwide, worldwide yeah. domination. Domination? That's right. That's right. We're going to rule the world. We're going to have a corporate headquarters on Madison Avenue in New York City. I'm going to have this giant desk. <laughs> Yeah, my three people. Now, how do you get paid when you're a rock star? Does Geffen mail you a check weekly or daily? Oh, you just have your manager, like, screw money out of them. Who's you the... know, my dinner's ready. Um, I, what's your name, Hob? Uh, uh, Nard, 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 Nard. Actually, could you... I'm, I'm holding up the phone. Oh, the sorry, about, oh sorry about that there, <laughs> Mr. Chris and Nirvana. Two things first. Can you do a little lyrical sampling for the people out there in radio well, what land? What do you Well, do some Nirvana tune, just oh, quick. okay. How's that? That's pretty good. And now, can you tell me what you know about Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? He's short, and he has a funny haircut. And now introduce this next segment for you. Say, Nardwar will now ask Flea and the Heavy Metal panel some questions. Nardwar will now ask Flea and the Heavy Metal panel some questions. Thanks so much, um, Nirvana. God bless you, Nardwar. And keep on rocking food. And, we'll, food right and make sure that people yell at you in the audience. Right Pe- people should yell what at you? Whatever. Uh, peace pop microdot. No, what about, okay. no, that's not true. You're supposed to yell what? Uh, 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 woo-hoo, rock on, dude. No, that's not what you said before. People are supposed to yell what at you? Uh, 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 what's your home phone number? No, um, they're supposed to yell, um, <laughs> someone's in your van. I gotta really go, man. They're eating, and I'm you, You're supposed to say, supposed to yell, fuck you at you. You said that earlier. Who oh, said sorry. that? Oh, what, no. are you putting words in my mouth? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm sorry. This shit. You know what? You, why, don't you just, why don't you just, why don't you just fuck off and die? Oh, thank you. Flea? Flea? And that was... My encounter, Nardware to Human Serviette, with Chris from Nirvana, a phone interview done on CITR on March 8th, 1991. I was about to intro a little segment with my interview with Flea, but that there was an interview with Chris from Nirvana from March 8th, 1991. We skip ahead till January 4th, 1994. And through the graciousness of Courtney Love, yes, Courtney Love, I got backstage 
at this gig. And this gig was the gig where Nirvana played two nights at the PE Forum, January 3rd, 1994, and January 4th, 1994. I went backstage and did an interview, thank you, Courtney Love, with Kurt of Nirvana and Chris of Nirvana. And Dave Grohl was kind of lurking about in the background. But this is from January 4th, 1994. Wait a sec. That is 25 years ago today. January 4th, 1994. January 4th, 2019. The 25th anniversary of me, Nardwar the Human Serviette, speaking to Kurt Cobain. And today on the Nardwar Show, playing a whole bunch of related Nardwar interviews of Nirvana. There is a whole bunch of interviews with the Nirvana clan, including Courtney Love. One interview I'm actually missing and you can check that interview at nardwar.com. And all the Courtney Love encounters that I have are documented there as well. Go to nardwar.com. But here is an interview from January 4th, 1994, which is 25 years ago today with Nirvana at the Peony for um. Hello, Kurt. Hello. Fuck you! Isn't it uh, and we're backstage here, right? It have to be that way. Do you, do you admire, um, what's his name, Geraldo Rivera? Geraldo Rivera. Actually, I waited for that tomb to open. Kurt, don't. Yeah, I did too. Oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, did that actually get on the... I thought you were going to just do it on cassette. I did, uh, wait a second. Well, uh, we always come together. Well, we, we take the audio, but... Do you want me to have my audio go to the Do you admire, um, Dr. Demento? Yeah, yeah, he's... 25! I thought he was really annoying at first, but now I like him. Remember Pencil Lake Geek? He grew on me. Yeah. Zachary actually was cooler. Ever to Zachary? Back when I was a kid, life was going swell. Going swell. So something happened blew everything to hell. Exactly. And my daddy came in all pale and weak. So the woman on the block, the virtual geek. So, Kurt, um, I waited outside. How was the Toronto show? How did that go? Because I was in Toronto at that time when you played at Maple Leaf Gardens. Don't say that I'm making any kind of ethnic stereotypes. I'm not making any stereotypes because they're not PC. <laughs> Do you remember that show at all, Kurt? No. <laughs> Maple Leaf Gardens in November? Mm, that was, um... I remember that with the little backstage. It was, it was a nice temperature because I think it was an ice hockey rink. Yeah, it was Maple Leaf Gardens. And um, I waited outside, you know, for a couple hours afterwards, waiting for you guys to leave. How did you eventually leave? By limousine and um, cop escort. Did you leave pretty early? Because, like, they brought out, you know, the prop, the prop out, and, then, you know, you kept, I kept on waiting and waiting. And then I saw a little minivan pull out, and I thought a guy hulked over the back seat. Was that you? Like, did you wait, like, two hours? Or did you get, like, did I wait there for nothing because you had already left? I just remember leaving pretty much right after the show within about 20 minutes or so I met one of the guys from the kids in the hall Scott that's right we were mingling with famous people they never talk to hacks like you fuck no and what's they're your, on course, TV what's your every in? night on Comedy Central and on the Canadian TV and they know Lauren Michaels we, I got to meet Lauren Michaels and Don Pardo and everybody 
Because we're famous people. During the 1960s, Kurt, there was a big punk scene, as you realize, in Northwest. You know, the, the, the Sonics, the Whalers. The I hate the Sonics, they're stupid. The, the Bootmen, mm -hmm. the Whalers and all those other bands. And I was reading that um, your good friend Jesse Reed, his dad, played in a surf band that released a surf record. That's true. Isn't that weird that he's... How do you know What were they called? Where did you read what that? It was called the Bagpiper. What was the name of their... Where did you read that? Uh, come as you are. The Beachcombers. Come as you are? Uh, what do you mean, come as you are? The book? Yeah. The Michael Azarad. Mm. He's obsessed with Jesse Reed. Because uh, the Beachcombers, so it was a, cause they, were they pretty cool? I thought, like, I love those 60s wailing frat garage bands in the Northwest. No, it didn't have much taste. Was it was pretty generic. Is he born again now? the house? Yes, he did. He tried to revive me for a while. They also said in that book that your uncle Chuck was in a garage band too, and he released records, or did he release anything? No. Is that Mary? Really? She put out a single. She financed herself. She's a country and western born again Christian. And my uncle Chuck was in a couple of bar bands. You know, they just played covers like Green's Clearwater. He had a Lucite drum set. He was left handed, and he wasn't very good. Is that Chuck with the red hair? Mm -hmm. Is that Chuck that's gay? No. Oh. Is it the one that we go to went to Christmas? That one, Chuck? The nice one. Right. With the son that has your cousin who has the other band? Although he went to jail one time for um, exposing himself. Green from Bellevue. That's his cousin's band. Did you first meet Courtney? And this is Courtney Love. Did you? I've heard, because we're here in Canada, Vancouver, BC, Canada. I heard a rumor. I think I might have read it in Interview Magazine. That Kurt and Courtney first met at a deal. <coughs> at a, <coughs> Uh, did you first meet at a DOA gig in Portland, Oregon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is, there is really a Canadian connection there. <laughs> Wasn't it Noe's No? It was one of our shows. It was our show. It was my show. I played with DOA a couple times. I don't remember where. But, but was that so? A Canadian connection, a Canadian band, has something to do with Kurt and Courtney? Like, yes. I don't honestly. I don't remember which I show it was. I was too drunk. Me too. Do you remember your first time in Canada at all, Kurt? No. I might have been a small child. I visited some gardens. We went across on a ferry. Vancouver. Bouchard Gardens. Right. Right. I was a small child. That's actually where No Means No are from. Mm. And the Neos, a legendary speed band. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for Neos. Yeah, that's what I say. You have a Canadian nanny, another Canadian connection. We like uh, the BC. We don't like the rest of it so much. What is her name? What is your nanny's name? His name's uh, Mike. And his, does he have a girlfriend? Jessica. Yeah. I think she might even been. She might be from Vancouver too, right? She's from Minneapolis. She has that fancy, uh, you know, that fancy that's called Hit It or Quit It. She's like a riot girl person. She's like 15. Now, Chris here. Chris, come over here for a moment. This is Chris of the rock and roll band Nirvana. Now, Chris, you worked earlier in all in your life in Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Do you realize there are no Taco Bells in Canada? Good for you. Actually, at least in BC. There's no Mexicans in Canada. Actually, there's one in Alberta. There's some in Alberta. That's right. So do you think that's contributed all to the growth of bands in BC that we do not have a Taco Bell? Is this a good or a bad thing? I don't know, man. Canada can be ethnically diverse, which is beautiful. Part of the thing and stuff, but judging... Uh, Actually, you look like a Dukabor when you put that thing on. Dukabors are awesome, man. They're awesome. Did They're you, anarchists. Did you go, are there still Dukabors around? Yeah, there are. Yeah, I, I'm really into the duo boars. They should run around naked and, and uh, 
They were from Russia, right? Yeah. And they had their anarchist colony. And it was, How did they go under? I forgot. I think there was some riots and stuff. They're still going strong. And they're, they were, they're I'm the next Duhobor Messiah. So you can tell by the way I spit food out and the way it's caught in my mouth. And they're from Canada too. Another Canadian connection. On, on page 226 of Come As You Are, uh, Michael Azizard quotes Canadian rocker Sloan. I don't know who they are. Jackie, Jackie's boyfriend, Jackie Ferry. Remember? If I was your dad, I'd whoop your ass. <laughs> Remember the guy Jackie was the Sloan band? They're on our label. They're called the Sloan band. They're from um, Halifax. And they're quoted in your book. Are there any mistakes in the Come As You Are book? I don't know. Because I noticed on page 226, in reference to the Deep Six comp, except for the art rock you men, all mix varying amounts of punk, 70s style hard rock, and proletarian heavy metal into a crude but effective musical mongrel. You men, art rock? I would say so, yeah. I thought they were cool punk rock, sort of cool 60s sort of garage sonic-y. Art punk, all art punk, birthday party, scratch ass. It was art rock. Did you ever see them live? No, I didn't. I did buy the Step, a, step on a Bug, no, the Dig It Baby, Dig It Baby, Dig It a whole single. The fact. That was years after they had been a band and been playing around in Seattle for a really long time. I would, I would classify them as art rock. Classic art rock. I knew they were cool, actually, when I saw Tom Price, a picture of him when he played at the Commodore, when he backed up the cramps, he had tape over one of his guitar knobs. Yeah, I thought they were cool when I saw one of them walking down an alley and I thought he was cute. And also... The Mustang. He's one of the first people I've ever saw. They were in trench coats. There were two of them. Me and Kat were like, we should move here. That guy's cute. They were cute. Yeah, they were like cute guys and kind of cool. That's good for a scene. I think you're desperately trying to start a scene. Is that the deal? No, I just want a scene so bad you're going to make one. You're just going to close your eyes till you get one. Is that it? On page 190. Superiority complex about this scene here. I don't think you should. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just saying on page 190, on page 190, the Teen Spirit in Bracket video shot for a modest $33,000. I don't believe that. I don't know. That's what it says in the book. Just trying to find errors here with Kurt and Courtney. I haven't read the book. I, I've skimmed through it a few times, but I've never read it from front to back. And on page 154, the last analyzation, thank you, Kurt and Courtney, on page 154, the book says, the heavy Bonhamesque drumming that Nirvana requires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> you know the drummer for Pansy Division is from Aberdeen, Kurt? No, I didn't know that. You know, it smells like Queen Spirit? Yeah, I had no idea. Do you have any other bands come from Aberdeen? The Melvins and Metal Church. Uh, what are the thrift shops there like? Um, they're not that great. People didn't have very good taste in the 60s and 70s. You know, usually that's the kind of stuff that I look for. No lava lamps, no cool patterned shirts or anything. Do you ever see any Farfisa mini compact organs? You know, like that quivering vibrato. I'm really desperate looking for one of those. I don't know. Maybe not in Aberdeen. Isn't there also surfing in Aberdeen, like at Westport? <laughs> I don't know. I've never gone in the ocean. Because apparently it has some rats. I don't want anyone to go into the ocean Did there. Didn't you dig for clams? I took for clams a few times, yes. That's going in the ocean. It's the same thing. I know you're going to like this, Courtney, but I also read in Mix Magazine. Sorry, Mix Magazine. Oh, wow, you get around. 
around. He reads more magazines than me. Well, not really. We get a free subscription at CITR Radio, and this is for CITR Radio. Buy most of the magazines I read. Actually, five ninety-five a mixed magazine. And it said, which Vig was talking about the Nirvana. Never mind album. And he said he sampled some guitar riffs. Is this true? I couldn't believe it. Sampled oh. guitar yeah. riffs. What is yeah, that? Andy Wallace does that. He has like a little Macintosh, and he's got a couple like snare sounds and, and guitar sounds. Sampling guitar riffs. I don't think. No, so. not riff sounds. He, I think Andy Wallace sampled a few different sounds for the drums to make them sound better, according to him. What's the idea between putting a lot behind, you know, putting a lot of mics on a drum? I know you say you don't really like the sonics totally, but I really love that sort of like one guitar. I, I, I have to admit, yeah, the sonics recorded very, very cheaply on a two-track, you know, and they just used one one microphone over the drums, and they got the most amazing drum sound I've ever heard. Still to this day, it's still my favorite drum sound. It sounds like he's hitting harder than anyone I've ever known. And I have some good news. Don't you agree? It's amazing. I have some good news for you, Kurt. Do you know that where the Sonics recorded, audio recording in Seattle with Kearney Barton is still around? And you can actually still record there? Really? The young, fresh, the young Fresh Fellows, pioneers in that sound by, you know, going at Egg Studio and stuff, they recorded a new track off their CD, their 99 Girls, right at that studio. The Kearney Barton Audio, you can check it out. Like the same guy is there that recorded the Sonics. Who was born in 1842? <laughs> no, he wasn't born in 1842, but I think that band Teen Generate from Japan did that. And in Japan, they don't seem to have too much vinyl. Do they? Aren't they into vinyl in Japan? They're into anything classic American, aren't they? I don't know. I don't go there often. Um, Kurt, what is Geffen's position on on vinyl? Like, is it easy to release seven inches? Can you release them domestically? Not usually domestically. Only in Europe and England, especially. We always, they've always offered to print vinyl for us because they know we we like that kind of thing. So, it's been no problem. I don't think it ever will be, as long as there's at least one place somewhere that'll print vinyl, they'll still do it. Readers sold 150 copies of their vinyl in the States. 150 copies. Isn't that weird? I was sort of hoping that there was like some secret Geffen plan. Like, can they actually press vinyl here? Like, you know, do the record companies have vinyl plants? Because at one time, did, what, in the 70s, where did Geffen get their vinyl done if they did it? And are those plants still around? Plants in Canada, isn't that the deal? It's cheaper labor. There's not one in Canada. Jackets. Jacket Made in Canada band. I think some band had their album called Jacket Made in Canada. But just really clever. But there's no vinyl making place in Canada. Did Geffen have any vinyl places? Do you know of like any weird warehouses? No idea. Was Bleach released in North America by Geffen? Hmm, no. I think they just bought the rights for Europe just, just recently. How much did Spencer Eldon receive from the Nirvana camp? A lot. A lot. A lot. You know why? And Spencer Eldon is who? For the guy from Nirvana, right? The little baby on the cover. Oh, Spencer. Yeah. Oh, that's the guy we're going to have at dinner when he grows up. This thing. Well, standard, I think yeah. the, Nirvana, the guy's from Nirvana. I don't know. It was a lot cheaper than the picture that we wanted to use. What's PA equipment like? in South America. Tonight I noticed you had quite an extensive PA and it sounded, I thought, really good. What's PA? What are, pathetic asshole. What, what are, what is the PA like in South America? What are they like? What are the tech crews there like? TV. Univox. Has your, does your tech crew, has it improved your sound? You think like in South America, were they freaking out? What was it like there? I don't remember. Because I once heard shot coke with Alice in Chains all night. I don't remember. 
Did you really custom design a guitar, your own special little model? Yeah. How many models were there, and can I buy one? I don't know. I don't know if it's gone into production yet. I don't know if it'll be available for the public. It's up to them to decide. But I basically just, I, well, so what I did is I took a picture of a Mustang, a Polaroid picture of a Mustang and a picture of a Jaguar, and then cut them in half and glued them together and told them to build that. So that's what it is. It's the Jag Stang. Have you ever thought of using an Echoplex? I do. That's so, that's so psychedelic furs. Well, actually, I used to call it that's so big kahuna from Girl Trouble. He uses one. I have one. And what's the neat thing about the Echoplex? Every time when you get home from the gate, you can play and hear your last note. Yeah. <laughs> So it can live on and on and on. Um, Kurt, we're winding up here. <laughs> Speaking here to Kurt Cobain backstage. Yeah. What? How about a blowjob off of it? What? What, when it disconked out? Seconds ago. Are you going on television now? In the, um, I'm not sure. We like taking the audio for radio and maybe for TV someday. Unfortunately, our viewfinder is not working, so we don't even know if picture is coming through. But we're sure, we're sure hoping that it does. And as I said, we're speaking here backstage at the Forum with Kurt Cobain and the rest of Nirvana here. And I was wondering, what other bands, Kurt, have played in Argentina? Like, you played there. What was it like? And Were you one of the first bands to play there, do you know? I don't think so. I've heard that Skid Row played there. Have any other melodic punk bands played there? I do not know. We played at the Chili Peppers that night. Ever heard of the Canadian band Saga before? Yeah, I think so. Are they a pop metal band? I think they played in Argentina. Kurt, what did you think of the last Flipper LP? Eh. Okay. What were Bjorn again like from Europe? Wonderful. Uncanny. Amazing. They looked exactly and sounded exactly like ABBA. Are they better than Rain, a tribute to the Beatles? I've never seen them. They had a big sender spread in a rocket. Mm. Have you ever going to get Screaming Jay Hawkins to try to back you up again? We tried, but it fell through. I would like to try again. Anybody else cool that you can think you can bring up, bring with you and back you up? Like, I was thinking the suite maybe and get Kurt Block to guess some guitar. That wouldn't be too hard, would it? No, or will village people be no problem. Anybody else you've been thinking of? Well, those are two that just ran through my mind. Um, no, not really. Buscox. Buscox. We've had some amazing bands play with us on this tour. We had um, the Boredoms, the Meat Puppets, and gee, who else? Jawbreaker. But no Bonham or Quiet Riot or anything? Not yet. Courtney said... Went at the Riviera Steakhouse in a couple of years. Courtney said Geffen, Kurt, made $55 million off you, and you guys... I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal. And you guys only got a million. Where did the money go? To Geffen. It's always fair. I explain that to you. It's like a white guy giving a black guy a Cadillac. I walked into David's room one day and I said, listen, man, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. And he said, look outside. There's a Cadillac for you. And I took it. And I just, you know, just forgot all that, trying to get my royalties from him. And it turns out the fucking Cadillac was rented. Can you believe it? Um, if Nirvana has total control, Kurt, I was wondering slightly about ticket prices for gigs. Is there any way to make tickets and t-shirts universally the same, i.e. $10 to get into the gig and $10 for a t-shirt? No. Unless you're for Gauzy. Has any band ever tried that before? I mean, on a major label, you know, because you have perhaps more control of what's going on. You could maybe, because you guys are playing a cool place tonight, like a small, it's on a big coliseum. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Really. No. 
It's really expensive to bring your own PA system and lights and stuff. You barely break even. And Kurt, what was it like doing the soundtrack to the Touchables here? Pretty neat. Do you know you and Axel have something in common, Kurt? Yeah, a lot. You both sing in uh, faked English accents as he does in the spaghetti incident on the new UK subs track. Did you check it out? No, I haven't. Actually sort of kicked ass. That's Guns N' Roses recording of the UK subs. Because you mentioned in your book that you actually record, or the book about you come as you are, you sound as fake English accents. Mm-hmm. What can I say? I'm a death rocker. Have you ever thought of partying with Bill Gates at all, finally winding up here, Kurt? What's that? Bill Gates from Microsoft, partying with Bill Gates. Because, you know, who are the two newest members of the Seattle scene, Kurt? Here's a trick question for you. Bill Gates. Microsoft and Nintendo. And finally, it's Kurt. Under, uh, Seattle now? It is. It's based out of Seattle. And finally, Kurt Cobain of the rock and roll band Nirvana. If Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle, who will have their revenge on Vancouver? Pete Reno. Who? I don't know. Eddie Munster. Eddie Munster. He's from Vancouver, right? Uh, Kurt? Pete Reno, I said it. Who's Pete Reno? You know. Oh, Loverboy, right. Oh, Mike Reno. That's Mike, Mike, Mike Renowski, actually. Oh, Mike Reno's this half-retarded person that went to my high school. Sorry. And going to be on Exploitation Records? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt? Doot-doodle-loot-doo. <laughs> Kurt? Doot-doodle-loot-doo. Doot-doodle-loot-doo. Oh, Kurt, can we get you to a station ID just quickly, this one? Just for CITR? This one so I can... This, this one, just for fun? Station ID, Kurt? Just CITR radio? CITR, CITR radio. And who are you? Nardwar's cousin. Which, do you say I'm Kurt and you're listening to CITR radio? I'm Kurt and you're listening to CITR radio. I'm Kurt Cobain and you're listening to CITR radio? No, you're not. Bye. Okay. Say, Bye. Is everything okay? Courtney? here to answer your call personally right now, but if you'll leave your name, your number, and your message at the tone, we'll get back with you as soon as possible. Have a nice day. Hello. This is your Heavenly Father. I've been trying to reach you for some time now. I tried knocking at the door of your heart, but I know you've been wrapped up in the cares of this world lately. I just want you to know, I have a gift for you. I have no number, but you can reach me anytime by just calling my name. If the telephone rang today and it was God on the line, would you hear what he had to say? Would you even take the time? Would you follow his voice? Or would you just turn away? Don't you know you have a choice? He's asking you today. Is anybody out there? Or have our hearts all turned to stone? Is anybody listening? Jesus is calling us home. And when there's no 
and you're down in despair You got no one to turn to You say you feel like nobody cares Well, there's a friend you can call And he's right by your side He's been there all the while He wants to dry those tears you cried But somehow your pride gets in the way You won't let go, you want your say He stands at the door and patiently waits For you to turn his way And that was Mary Earl Kirkobeans Aunt Mary doing the tune Is Anybody Out There? And before that, an interview from January 4th, 1994, 25 years ago today with Nirvana from the Peony Forum. And before that, an interview with Chris from Nirvana from March the 8th, 1991. On the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show today, documenting my encounters with Nirvana. Again, if you want the full encounters, check out Nardwar.com for a whole bunch of unreleased segments and interviews that we are not playing today that we don't have time for to play today. But we do have time for an uncovered nugget. This actually is me talking to my friend Leora's answering machine after doing the interview with Nirvana on January 4th, 1994. This explains how I got the interview with Nirvana at the p Forum on January 4th, 1994, which actually is 25 years ago today. Hello, Leora. We got him. We got a 20-minute, half-an-hour interview with Kurt Cobain. So if you stick it out long enough, you'll get it. We snuck in on Monday afternoon into Nirvana's dressing room. We're kicked out. We waited later on that evening to get in with the CBC. We talked to him for a second. That didn't really work. We came back the next day to the Four Seasons Hotel, saw Dave the drummer. He said he'd put us on a list. He didn't. Then, by chance, we're sitting by a door. Who walks by? Courtney takes us backstage, gives us backstage passes, and we're allowed to do an interview afterwards. It worked. If nothing else, the persistence paid off. Hallelujah. So, Leora, thanks. We got Cobain. And if Francis Farmer will have a revenge on Seattle, Mike Reno will have his revenge on Vancouver. Sorry for bugging you. Bye, Leora. 
was me, Nardwar, the human serviette, speaking into my friend Leora's answering machine on January 4th, 1994, explaining how I got an interview with Nirvana. And right now, rest in peace, Kurt, we have an interview with Chris Novoselic from May the 20th, 1999. Nirvana had broken up by this time, but Chris was in town at the Blinding Light Cinema in Gastown, shout out to Alex, showing his movie all about L7, The Beauty Process. I had a chance to do an interview. Actually, Chris said, hey, if you do promo for me showing the movie, you can do an interview. So I did promo and I got an interview with Chris from Nirvana. Again, this is the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show and we are playing today in honor of 25 years of me speaking to Nirvana, Kurt Cobain at least, because um, actually my association with Nirvana goes back to March 8th, 1991, where I talked to Chris and Nirvana. I'm playing a whole bunch of Nirvana-related interviews. But this right here is done in person on May the 20th, 1999 at the Blinding Light Cinema. Chris from Nirvana. Who are you? Who, 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 who? I'm Peter Townsend. Who am I? Well, that's an interesting question. I think everybody should ask themselves at one point in their life, like, who they are, you know? Who are you? What are you? Where have you been? Where are you? And where are you going, right? So, my name is Chris Novoselic, and I live in uh, Seattle, Washington. And I... trying to have as much fun as possible. You love monks, don't you? You love chanting. You love monks, don't you, Chris? Because in your new film you've done, The Beauty Process, there's some monks there, aren't there? Well, I don't know if I love monks, man. Um, Monks, yeah. Well, that's just kind of a... That was just an aesthetic consideration, you know, the whole monk uh, aesthetic. And uh, I should probably just go on this musing about monastic life and the mendicants and, you know, uh, flogging yourself and depraving yourself. And you're looking very monkish now with the light and the hat, Chris. Really? Yeah, this is my monk hat. It's, um, I've uh, renounced... Everything. When did you first meet L7? Because you're here in Vancouver to help promote your brand new movie, your directorial debut, whatever the word is, directorial debut. When did you first meet L7, the beauty process? I met L7. I kind of met him in 1988 or 89 in uh, Los Angeles. And then uh, Nirvana did a tour of the UK with L7 back in uh, 1989. Nirvana was a headliner and L7 was the uh, opening band. And they... Uh, they just came off a tour from the continent and um, the people who rented them their equipment said Nirvana wasn't supposed to use the, their equipment because of the reputation we had. So first thing I did is I walked up to the bass player, and um, uh, Jennifer at the time, and I said, hey, can I borrow your bass amp? <laughs> and she lent it to me. And in return, you've made this movie. Well, down the road, you know, in 10 years, it just kind of happened. In return, yeah, you know, I was in Sweet 75, was opening for uh, L7, and 
I just brought this camera along and this film materialized, you know, it just kind of happened. What's really interesting is Nirvana did pretty good through major labels. You did pretty good, but L7 and Sweet 75 haven't done as good through major labels. Well, it's just like the crap wheel. It's just, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you. I think there's a pretty long explanation and a analysis of the situation for the respective bands and it has to do with, you know, personalities and promotion and the mechanisms of the music industry and how those personalities and their access to promotions can make an impact on a band's career and uh, I don't know if we have the time for that kind of analysis. I had to have a chalkboard out or like a grease board with a grease pencil and have all these equations, you know, Nirvana plus expectations plus Christ equals, you know, this or that. It was just like, those just, I can have a whole formula, like some kind of like, you know, math, physics professor thing. I can have it all, you know, minus, you know, this equals, you know, where I go. I'm sitting right here talking to you in Vancouver today. What were the expectations of Sweet 75? Like, why were, were you guys dropped from Geffen? Because I find that incredible, you know, thinking about your track record, being in Nirvana. No, we're not. We're, st we're on Interscope Records now. We were on... Uh, Geffen and now we're on Interscope and um, I guess it's all it's all mindset really and and uh, God I don't know how I could even start like shouldn't they be taking care of you Chris how oh God <laughs> that's a good question and I've asked that question but you know like Geffen Records that Sweet 75 dealt with doesn't exist anymore so what does that tell you right how are L7 screwed by major labels? You asked the right questions, the tough questions, too, and you're not pitching any softballs. This is direct journalism at its best, and I'm commending you on it. You know, So how was L7 screwed? L7 was screwed because... I don't know. Maybe it was something that had to do with gender, and then if you're in a, in a if you're a woman in rock, you gotta be soft and and uh, and nice and. Because uh, they were on a couple labels, and wasn't one of the labels they were on actually trying to sue them now? Like they're trying to sue the label, but the label's trying to counter sue them. I haven't heard anything like that, and even if I did know about it, I think it'd be inappropriate to comment on it. Was there any kind of any kind of particular thing that you kind of learned from L7 when doing your film, The Broody Process, that you kind of revealed, you found out, you know, art and commerce, like what, what was there anything that they said, perhaps, that, you know, was new to you? Well, it was like a shared experience, and that's like in the end of the film, is when the devil is there, and the devil's laying it all out, it's a struggle between art and commerce, right? Because you got to keep the plate on the table no matter how bad you feel. And, you know, songs make us laugh and they make us cry, but that stuff ain't got no place on the bottom line. And speaking of lines, you ladies signed on the dotted one, so that's about taking responsibility for what you did. You know, you signed on to the major label. You know, you went this major... You went the mainstream route, and it's a volatile world, you know? It's... it's uh, Some stuff hits, and some stuff doesn't hit. You know, like Nirvana was... You know, I believe was a very quality band, and it had a lot of mainstream appeal, too, and that's kind of a... That's what makes Nirvana so... Uh, unique I think and what about like people Dave you know Nirvana kind of is over and he's like next thing you know playing drums for Tom Petty yeah God bless him you know I'm a Tom Petty fan and I'm sure there was a mutual respect there music musicmanship were you jealous at all Chris like were, did you have any offers from anybody to play with any I mean just ridiculous ones because I know Eddie Van Halen didn't he once want to jam with Nirvana no um, yeah well that's a whole other story well, some people offered some stuff, but I don't know. I'm just kind of like a homegrown guy. Just going back to the whole uh, major trip is, um, 
I don't know. It seems kind of draining. I seem, you know, it didn't look what happened in Nirvana. It didn't really work out for Nirvana, did it? And so why should it work out for me in the, in the long run, right? Well, it's nice you've been able to help out other bands and that you've been able to make this movie, L7, The Beauty Process. What was the camera that you used for this movie? Was it like a sound, eight millimeter one? Exactly, yeah. And I think L7 helped like me. this is film. This is film, right. Well, and to just go back on, on a statement you made, is L7 helped me make this film too because they, they've got great music and they look great and they sound great and they got good tunes and you know I love them to death and so it was you know a collaboration as far as that goes and the camera I use is just this old super 8 millimeter film camera before video came along and kind of wiped all that whole scene out it was a sound super 8 camera and you can almost still get sound super 8 film but it's, it's Kodak has discontinued it so it's pretty rare yeah because see a lot of people shooting in black and white no color um, you know basically no sound but it's neat to see you actually using a sound 8 millimeter camera yeah you know and that's why a lot of the sound on the film is not as, uh, as professional sounding as people are used to because of the sound quality quality of the microphone and the f and you're getting a putting a magnetic uh, signal on a piece of film you know <laughs> who are your co-conspirators in murky slough and what is murky slough well who are your co-conspirators on the movie who helped you out there like there's some names like adam wade and brian brown yeah those guys were in the film Adam Wade was drumming for Sweet 75 at the time, and um, Brian Brown, he's a singer in Bluebird, this band out of L.A. He's Is that the one with Chip and Tony Kinman? I was, oh, Bluebird. Are, are they like a Revelation straight-edge band? No, they're not. They're kind of, they're a rock band. You Does know? he have a girlfriend named Cecil Siskel? No, his girlfriend's Danita Sparks. Oh, okay, because I just remember there was a band called Bluebird from L.A., and I know this girl called Cecil, Nerdy Girl, and she said she married some guy because he was a Canadian, and he was in a band called Bluebird. I think it was Bluebird. I was thinking of Blackbird. That was one of the bands I was thinking of with Chip and Tony, but okay, no, he was the drummer then? Adam was a oh, drummer. Adam was a drummer. Okay. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> Brian Brown, yeah. You know, they, I just approached them. I need a person in the film, and... You know, you want to do the script. Everybody wants to make a film. Everybody wants to be in a film. And so that's what the beauty process is all about. You know, Aaron and I over there, we edited it and drag him into this whole... <laughs> no, you're wondering what Nirvana did. Well, I think you also helped destroy major labels in a way. You know, you actually did that, Chris. How do you figure? Well, you guys hit, and then a lot of bands fell down. Like, I remember, Chris, where I was when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on Beach Avenue in Vancouver, B.C., Canada. My friend, actually, Paul, had driven all the way down to Cellophane Square in Bellingham and bought the single and played it on his radio show and I remember exactly where I heard it. But I later on did an interview with Janie Lane of... Oh, a Janie Lane of, of uh, Poison. Of no, War. No, of, of... War. No, no. War. War. Um, Chris? I know who that... Po um, Warrant. Pie. Yeah, Warrant. Janie Lane of Warrant. I'm like, Janie, do you know where you were when you heard Smells Like Teen Spirit? And he did, exactly. He was on Melrose Avenue driving there. And uh, right after that, you know, pretty much they got dropped from a record label. So you've helped destroy record labels well, by being in Nirvana. I don't think we destroyed record labels. I think what happened with Nirvana was that it kind of reinvigorate it did reinvigorate the music industry and if you look at the the signing spree of the 90s how many bands do you know i mean it wasn't really a big deal for where's paw remember that band paw 
I don't remember Pa. That's what I want to know. Where's Pa? They were like this big talked about thing. But I mean, Nirvana did pretty good signed to major labels, and you helped destroy some major labels by like... I agree with you. I don't think we destroyed major labels. Oh, but I mean, what I mean is it was funny. You brought these bands down. You helped bring these bands down. Here's a deal. In like 1917, in Russia, there was a revolution, right? And the people who brainstormed that revolution fell to the wayside. Like Trotsky got an ice pick in his head, and you know Lenin, he dropped dead, right? And so who took over? It's like Joseph Stalin did. But then they didn't have a CMC record company to bring them back from the grave because all those bands like Warrant and uh, Slot are all on CMC. They've had a chance to come back from the grave. Yeah, or, well, yeah, or, you know, some revolutionary out in the hill, up in the hills would be into, you know. How about you personally? Like, uh, I found it really interesting that, like, Duff, you had that kind of, why did you ever run in with Duff? Like, he's an ex-punker. He was, like, in the fastbacks and the farts. We've made up. But, like, why would he ever want to do anything? Like, I would think he would be on your team, though, initially, you know, when you had that little run-in with him a few years ago. We were both drunk. It was chemical abuse, substance abuse. It was the alcohol talking. Did you ever see Kurt get beat up by anybody? Oh, totally. <laughs> but I, I intervened. Yeah, I've been, you know, a few scraps. And I never saw him get beat up because, you know, you don't, nobody should just watch somebody get beat up because you should, no matter who it is, you should intervene and say, hey, we, you know, can't have this kind of violent situation. So I always thought it was fascinating that the Ramones played Aberdeen. Did you know anybody that actually saw the Ramones play Aberdeen? God, I, you know, I missed that show. I went, I saw uh, Robin Trower in Aberdeen, but I missed, and I went and I brought my Bridge of Size record and he signed it and he played that song, Bridge of Size. And, uh, but I miss the Ramones because that was way before my time. Do you know anybody that actually saw the Ramones? Like, did they actually play Aberdeen? And why would they play there? Well, you know, if somebody booked it, maybe it sounded romantic or they had a day off or something like that, or they got a good guarantee. I don't know why they would do it. Why not do it? You know, there's people there. People want to rock out. And I know somebody who went through that show is Kurt Vanderhoof from the Lude. and um, Metal Church. Yeah, Metal Church, yeah. What about Chris Freeman from Pansy Division? Because he grew up. He's the uh, bassist of Pansy Division. He actually grew up in Aberdeen. He might have been a bit older than you, but do you ever come in contact with him or do you ever hear stories about Chris from Pansy Division? Because he grew up in Aberdeen too. And he's in the ultimate queer core band Pansy Division who covered Smells Like Queer Spirit. Yeah, I remember. I saw that single and I was, I was pretty happy. You know, I was had my blessing and but um i probably recognize his face you know many would and you are chris novoselic in vancouver promoting your brand new movie um l7 uh the beauty process live 10 which is playing this weekend here in vancouver at the blinding light yeah how crazy with you how crazy were you chris when you lived in tacoma did you party at the goofy goose did you get drunk let me see. What are my old haunts in Tacoma? The Goofy Goose. Well, I went to, of course, I went to the uh, um, Java Jive. And then what was that? Uh, that old, there are a couple old bars downtown. I said, go there. Oh, this um, Flying Boots with the Spur Room. I used to haunt the Spur Room. And what about that Southern Fried Chicken place? Did you ever go there? Which one? It was like one of those great Southern Fried Chicken places in Tacoma. I don't think I was eating chicken back then. Do you remember the Goofy Goose? Because they had the great hamburgers there. I think so. Was that kind of down off of Highway 99 there in that little valley, the Nally Valley? It smells like pickles. That's where, that's where they were invented. The that's, where, that's amazing. Nally Chips. Nally Chips, right. Well, you were born in Compton? I was born in Compton, California. Like, is this in like Compton, like straight out of Compton? Compton, yeah. Now, Chris, how long did you live there? Oh, I don't know, a few months. My parents 
lived there and uh, we moved to San Pedro, California, Mike Watt, and then we moved to Aberdeen, Washington, all these famous places. And Yiva, is that her, her name, Yiva Las Vegas? Yiva, yeah. She's from Compton too, or she's from LA? Like, did your paths cross at all back kind then? Of, well, kind of, no, she was in San Pedro for a while. She's from Caracas, Venezuela. Wow. Yeah, she's from Venezuela. But she was living in L.A. too. Was she ever a dis- wow. No, we never crossed paths until like 1994. Did she ever see Nirvana at all? I don't think so. No, she never saw Nirvana. When you threw your bass way high up in the air that time, how hurt did you get? Oh, I had a bloody face. Yeah. So I hit my head. This is on the MTV Music Awards or something like that, right? Right. And I uh, hit my head and I just kind of like... I walked off stage and then everybody stared at me and I was like bloody and then I walked in the bathroom and I think like boys to men or something like that were getting ready to go on and they're like oh my god what's wrong with you I'm like what and I look in the mirror I'm like holy shit I was just like all bloody and then I put an ice pack on there and then some aid person came and gave me an ice pack and then I walk outside and there's Brian May from Queen with a glass of champagne and he hands it to me I'm like oh hey how you doing so I'm sitting there with the ice pack drinking champagne then Dave heard that I was in trouble and he's looking around all place where's Chris where's Chris and he turns around the corner and I'm sitting there having champagne with Brian May from Queen right so that was a good deal oh I couldn't think of a better ending for a story that's incredible was Pat Smear jealous about that at all because he loves Queen did, did he ever get to meet Queen no yeah he was man Freddie Mercury has, has had a big impact on Pat Smear's life yeah have you ever planned to do any more gigs with the Stinky Puffs? Uh, not really. How old is Simon now, anyway? He must be getting kind of old, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I think... He's Jad Fair's son, right? No, uh, uh, stepson or something like that. Yeah. Because he did that little no more recordings, or have you kept in contact with him at all? A little bit. The beauty process here playing in Vancouver is having its Canadian debut. You've been to Vancouver quite a few times before, haven't you? Didn't you um, also do a promo thing with Sweet 75 here in Vancouver? Oh, yeah. We came up here and did some press, yeah. And how was the Canadian tour, the one you did before that with Nirvana? What do you remember about, like, Canada at all? What do you remember? Do you remember about Alberta? Or do you remember... Do, where did you go? Like, do you remember anything about the, that tour? Mm, I remember... Toronto and uh, Montreal. I remember uh, in 1990, Nirvana came up and played... Uh, Calgary or Edmonton, perhaps? Calgary and Edmonton, then Vancouver, and then uh, Victoria. Do you remember anything about the gigs? Because there's all these people that claim they're at these gigs. Were they well attended? or was They weren't very well attended at all. Maybe the Vancouver one. I think we played at the uh, uh, Aragon Ballroom, is it? No, the... Well, there's the Commodore Ballroom. Commodore Ballroom, right, with the, with the rubber floor. We played there, and uh, but there wasn't anybody in back. There was some cock rock band opened up in Victoria. It was just some, some bar. You know, I don't know what the heck we were doing there. What do you think of Canada, Chris? What do you think of Canada? Like, a Canadian invented the V-chip. A Canadian invented the V-chip. Because you're part of Jam Pack. Jam Pack, the V-chip. What do you think about a Canadian inventory, inventing the V-chip, Chris? Well, first of all, the V-chip, I mean, that's a, that's a parental tool and the way the world works or the art, the United States works. If you're like 18 or younger, you don't really have any rights, you know, and your parents should be responsible for their kids. And so if they had, need a tool like the V-chip to monitor information coming into their home, they can do whatever they want because it's their home. But if it's my home, you know, I don't want somebody monitoring information coming into my home. As far as Canada's concerned, I think should just kind of capitulate to the United States, you know? It's just like, what are you waiting for? We're down there, down south. we got 50 states, you know, these provinces. Come on down. Quebecois, hey, you have your trip. Go do your... I'm just kidding. No, 
Canada's fine. I mean, it's a beautiful country. I love it. It's uh, I've always had a good time in Canada. Um, I've, uh, Canada was bold in, in uh, taking the initiative and adopting the metric system when the United States just couldn't get it together and, and do that. And uh, Canada also helped you mix your Nirvana Mishka album. Mishka, Nishka album. Mishka, that's right. We, we did yeah, tell me about that, Chris. It's quite interesting. Like Chris of Nirvana, Chris and Dave of Nirvana, come up to Vancouver and mix in Brian Adams. Hey. Brian Adams' home studio. Who would ever thought that Brian Adams and Nirvana would mix together? Yeah, who would have ever thought, you know, and he's got this big water bed, a round water bed with a round uh, that rotates and these mirrors on the ceiling, pink champagne on ice. We're all just prisoners here of our own device, right? It's like the Hotel California over there. It was a party pad. No, actually, the place is a pretty cool studio. I mean, it's, uh, we mixed with Andy Wallace and... Uh, was that the guy that did Slayer? Yeah, he did Slayer and Sepultura. Did he tell you any good Slayer stories at all? Uh, no, not really. We were always we were working pretty hard whenever we worked with Andy, and uh, he knew of the studio up here in Vancouver, and it was a good place to mix a record. And sure enough, it was a good place to mix a record. It was pretty mellow and secluded and quiet, so you can just kind of get down to business. And did Brian ever drop by? Because I always thought that Brian he'd almost be a good stand-in for Kurt, you know, on something like that. Because he's got that kind of uh, you know. What do you think, Chris? I, no, Brian never stopped. He never. I think he was. He wasn't around. He was like doing some kind of tour or something. But yeah, I'd like to meet him one day. You know? well, speaking of stand-ins for Kurt, what's this I hear about Leaf Garrett and the Melvins getting together to do a version of Smells Like Teen Spirit? Oh my God! I never heard of it. Well, wonders ever cease. Is that for real? It was in the Rocket magazine in a gossip column. I don't know if this is true or not, but Leaf Garrett is going to be singing lead on Smells Like Teen Spirit by the Melvins. Chris, I'm into it. Had they hinted they might be doing something like this? Well, wonders ever cease. You know, that's just like, I never cease to be amazed. Just keep them coming. You know, just keep the wonders coming. That's all I got to say. Variety adds a spice to life, right? When you hear something like Silverchair or the Goo Goo Dolls, does this make you cringe? I ain't going to put anybody down, and I ain't going to judge anybody, you know, teach their own. People are making music. That's what they want to do. A lot of people buy that music. They're into it. It's just like, what the heck? Now, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, one of the things that I have over here is something of kind of particular interest, one of my favorite artifacts from the grunge era, Chris, and you are Chris Novoselic, of Sweet 75 here in Vancouver promoting your movie, L7, The Beauty, Beauty Process, is this CD right here. Do you see what this says on it? This is called Grunge Live, and it says, it has not been licensed by the artists or the record company. I love this. This is like a total grunge era relic. Wow. And these are, these are like pirated right off the record? I guess so. It's like, this is a bootleg CD. It says, this is an unlicensed recording of Grunge Live. This, it has been not licensed by the artist or the record company. Well, there you go. It's a pirate or a bootleg information. You know, it's a commodity. Well, have you, have you been, you've been trying to stamp down on a few things, like the MP3s and stuff. Like, have you... I think MP3s are a good thing. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really glad to see it. And it's a, you know, it's an interim technology and it's, it works really good. And, but, you know, if you want to put your music out on MP3, you know, knock yourself out. Just don't put my music out on MP3. See? Have you talked to any of the meat puppets recently? Like I showed you that article earlier about yeah. Chris. I got to read that, but yeah, you know. Or how about Dylan? Have you seen Dylan around at all? Oh, I know. Dylan. Jesus Christ. Dylan. Car Dylan Carlson, right? Dylan Carlson or... 
Yeah, I gotta see him. Or Mike from the Fitz. Mike, yeah, I saw Mike. He's doing pretty good. He's uh, up in Seattle. He's like painting houses or something like that. Do you live in a haunted house, Chris? Totally. What? I'm haunted. You know, my own demons haunt me. That's what it is. What particular makes it a haunted house? Is there any special little things? Sure, like the chains dragging across the attic floor, the creaky doors, the little moany moans in the middle of the night. It's just, it's like archetypal. Is there any history behind it? Like it's an old house, like 1903? There was a mass murder inside that house back in 1922, but it had to do with an heir of the um, Colt 45, Colt pistols, and how they were um, cursed by all the souls killed by a Colt firearms. Are you into remote control airplanes at all, Chris? Because in the beauty process... I got up here. In, in the beauty process, it looks like you're filming the sky. Is that remote control airplanes? Is that a neat hobby you have? What was that? Were you filming the sky? It looked like some airplane. That was an air show somewhere back east. Yeah. Because it looked like kind of remote control airplanes. It thought it had been like a neat hobby. You know, some people, some people have neat hobbies where they have remote control airplanes. Yeah, teach your own. Whatever you ain't your crank, right? That's my motto. That's my philosophy. When you guys covered Shocking Blue, like you did Love Buzz, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how much money did Shocking Blue get? Because I heard when... Ask him. Did you know, but was it a lot though? Because I, mean, I heard like when Green Day covered Who, they had to pay him $500,000. Ooh. Like, do, it, I'm always curious. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You got one more question? Uh, well, actually, this got out, just winding up here with Chris Novoselic here in Vancouver promoting the beauty process that is running uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, Chris, I was saying, what do you think is going on with Kosovo right now? What's going on in Kosovo? What do you think of that? This is Christiana Amanpour for CNN. Over here, we have a refugee crisis of immense magnitudes. Milosevic is in Belgrade, while Javier Solana in NATO is doing a total, but in Washington, D.C., the ministers are coming together to discuss the action of this great tragedy. This is Chris Novoselic live. I mean, that's just, you know, it's watch news. I mean, it's... What do you think of Chris really going think on? she's biased, Christine Amanpour? I love her. I just use her as a, as a, as a reference. I have nothing against her or for her. I'm, it's, it, you know, I'm ambiguous to her, but I was just using her because she's such a prominent personality in this thing. Have you visited any of the towns? What towns? Any of the towns that are being affected in ethnic Albania? I haven't, I haven't no. But and you know what? I'm going to I'm going to blow. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks yeah. for your time. Keep on rocking in the free world. Uh, uh, have you ever met? Say that in Russian. Dershne rockin uslobodni svet. That's right. Chris. Oh, Chris, has Chelsea Clinton ever come to any of your gigs before? She's coming tonight, right? Have you ever met? Do you think she could help make any difference with Sweet 75? That's what we're looking to. We're just looking to make a difference. Because have you made a difference in your life, in your world? <laughs> oh, Chris, and lastly, keep on rocking the free world. Chris Novoselic and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot. An interview with Chris of Nirvana from May the 20th, 1999. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, in honor of my first interview with Nirvana, the whole band, on January 4th, 1994, 25 years ago today at the Peony Forum, I'm playing a whole bunch of Nirvana encounters that I've had over the years. A few I'm missing out. 
Like, for instance, I did talk to, after this interview, on May the 20th, 1999, at the Blinding Light Cinema in Vancouver, I did talk to Chris Novoselic on the phone on CITR on May the 20th, May the 20th, 2009, 10 years later. I'm not including that interview due to time constraints, but you can check it out at nardwar.com. Calm. But I am playing a whole bunch of interviews that time does allow me to play. We heard from the beginning, March 8th, 1991, an interview with Chris from Nirvana. Then January 4th, 1994, an interview with the whole band, Nirvana, done at the Peony Form. The 91 interview was done on CITR Radio, and you were listening to CITR Radio. Then I played an answering machine message that I left for my friend Leora on January 4th, 1994, explaining how did I get an interview with Nirvana. Then we just played an interview right now with Chris of Nirvana from a blinding light cinema. He was in town to promote The Beauty Process, a movie he had made all about L7 that was from May the 20th, 1999. I'm not going to play an interview that I did with Chris from May the 20th, 2009. But I'm going to end with, right now, here is an interview from March the 14th, 2017. Only basically two years ago, less than two years ago, done at South by Southwest. Chris was speaking at South by Southwest and I went to his seminar and then I kind of asked him for an interview in the middle of his actual session when he was taking questions from the audience. So I ran up to the stage and did an interview with Chris Novoselic. He was talking all about the fair vote campaign that he was behind. And we're going to end with an actual song by Senator Bobby. Senator Bobby, you will hear singing. And I actually present Chris with this actual record. So here we go. My special regarding Nirvana. Again, check out Nardwar.com for all the interviews that I haven't played, including all my encounters with Courtney Love. There are tons of them. Thank you, Courtney, also for helping me sneak backstage on January 4th, 1994. And today is, oh, January 4th, 2019, 25 years later. That's why I'm doing this. So here we go back to March the 14th, 2017 at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. Here is Chris Novoselic to end the Nardwar, the human serviette Nirvana special. Hello, hello, Chris. We go back 20 plus years. Uh, c- can I ask you a couple questions? Absolutely. Thank you for remembering, Chris. I remember. I remember it well. Who are you, Chris? I listened. That's a, that was the last Who record with Keith Moon. Who are you? Written by Pete Townsend. And Chris, I have a gift for you: an autographed Terry Jacks oh. CD. Oh. Thank you so much. That's look so at the autograph on the inside from Terry Jacks himself to... Oh, Dave and Kristen Francis. That's so thoughtful. Seasons in the Sun by Terry 
Terry Jacks. Why? Poppy, are Poppy Family songs on here? Exactly. What can you say about Kurt and the Poppy Family and Nirvana? Like, there is an amazing drawing here by Alex Fine. What can you say? What is going on there? And what is your fascination with Terry Jacks? Your art. And, of course, the Poppy Family, which was like a multicultural band out of British Columbia, right? And what was the singer's name? She was hot. Susan Jacks. Susan Jacks. Okay, so Terry and Susan Jacks. But maybe you could tell the people what exactly is going on here in this amazing Alex Fine illustration. Maybe okay. you could say. Now your, your interpretation, Terry Jacks. This is Jacques Brel, through spirit almost, whispering to me about the song. And then Kurt Cobain, unbeknownst to me, I got an interview. You've probably heard it. It's one of his last interviews by these two um, uh, girl disc jockeys out of Washington, D.C. And in it, he said that the first single he ever bought was Seasons in the Sun. And it used to make him cry. And then this is Kurt Cobain, you know. And uh, you wouldn't think that that was it. And um, so I'm probably whispering to him or something. They recorded the song uh, uh, eventually, but it was sort of weird words and everything. It was, I think, it was on their last album, was it? You'd know more than I do. It was on the box set. Yeah, it was something like that. And but it, I, I had heard it, and um, it was really weird. And I think it's just great pop music, fabulous, fabulous music, and um, stands the test of time. Of course, Seasons in the Sun. And then, do you know what the B side was to Seasons in the Sun? Put the phone in. <laughs> was it, was there a sexual innuendo there? I don't know, but it was basically, it's a sad song. It's not really if you listen to the lyrics, because it's a sad song about this man who lost his dog. My day, my doggy died. And so he puts a, do he puts a bone in, it's about he puts this dog bone in in the dog's grave. I'm an animal lover. I have dogs and like goats, and, and so it, it's always like been a touching, touching for me. So that's why this is just amazing. It was Thank a B-side for Seasons in the Sun, which you guys covered. Why did you cover Seasons in the Sun? Did it, make Kurt, did it make Kurt cry? Absolutely it did. It's a touching movie, touching. So thank you. Thank you, Nardwar. I also have another gift for you to bring it back, to bring it back all the way to politics. We have Wild Thing by Senator Bobby. Oh, that's cool. Uh, what can you say? I love you. What can you say about you. Senator Bobby? No, this is great. This is, this, is, this is a Bobby Kennedy impersonator doing Wild Thing. Seriously. That's a trip. That's very cool. And it's a special gift for you, Chris. This is amazing because my friend uh, Bob Whitaker, his uh, father's Jim Whitaker, was the uh, first American to climb Mount Everest. And uh, in 1965, um, he, uh, Jim Whitaker climbed Mount Kennedy, which was named in honor of Robert Kennedy in Canada, Mount Kennedy in, in uh, Canada. They climbed uh, Mount Kennedy in 1965, and, and uh, Jim Whitaker made sure that Robert... Robert, he, Jim, so Jim uh, and Robert Kennedy climbed Mount Kennedy in honor of his late, bro late brother. And so Jim Whitaker made sure that Bobby was the first one up to the summit, yeah, so kind yeah. of pushed him up there. And there's going to be a documentary film about that. It's really cool. So there's your Canada because Nardwar is from British Columbia. He like owns Vancouver. He's a de facto mayor of Vancouver. And he did a really great prank on Mikhail Gorbachev. 
in like, was that 1989 or 1990? It was really good. Better than this. Yeah, yeah. He did a great prank on Mikhail Gorbachev at this year. And he got, you got, ar he got arrested by the RCMP for this, like, like really, like, right. harmless prank. Uh, and lastly, Chris, I got to say, what, this, what do you think the legacy of your musical contribution is? The Grunge Hot Wheels series. Have you seen this before? What, what can I say? I mean, it's just like the grunge. It's like the grunge from Grange to Grunge. I love Hot Wheels. I mean, that's it. It's enduring. And we anything to remember Kurt Cobain, I'm, I'm on board. So whatever, if it's good, we remember Kurt Cobain. We're going to shout out to uh, Dave and everybody. We have 57 seconds yeah. left. Well, thank you very much, Chris. And do to loot do Do to the loot do uh, Almost, Chris. do do loot do 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 Okay. Thanks for the weirdness. That's great. And thank you. <laughs> Thanks, John. John's with the Daily Beast. Everybody read it. Check out there the Daily go. Beast. Thank you for doing this, uh, being our pinch, pinch hitter. Oh, yeah. Fair vote handouts. Stand by, Senator. Remember, on this record, we're trying to answer Senator McKinley's hit record. And, uh, George, you have a word here? All right, Senator, this one's for the Democrats, so let's really hear it. All right, I think I'm about as ready as I'm ever going to be. Okay, stand by. This is Wild Thing. Take 72, Senator. Wild thing, you make my uh, my heart sing. You make uh, everything uh, groovy. Wild thing, a wild thing. Uh, I think I love you, but I uh, but I want to know for sure. Uh, come on in uh, and hold me tight. I love you, uh, yes. How's that, guys? Uh, is that about Pretty it? close, Senator. A little less stuttering, please, all right? A little more of a liberal interpretation, Senator. Can you do that? And watch the pronunciation of the word heart. Wild thing. That's perfect, Senator. Lay it on it now. Uh, you make my heart sing. Uh, it's really coming along, Senator. You make, uh, you make everything uh, groovy. Wild thing. All right, uh, Teddy on the ocarina, let's go. Uh, tempo, Teddy, tempo. Senator, we're going to have to get these kids out of the studio. I'm sorry, uh, Ethel, uh, you want to... The kids are stepping on the musicians. Ethel, get them out of the uh, recording studio now, I think. Yeah. Eunice, a little more tempo there, please. Senator, do you feel comfortable now? I certainly do. Okay, yeah. just stand by. We're coming up to you now. Uh, a wild thing. Uh, I think you move me. That's uh, beautiful, Senator. The kids will love it. Uh, but I want to know uh, for sure. That's it. Bear down. Uh, come on and hold me tight. A little more Boston soul, Senator. Uh, you move me, yes. All right, Senator, now let's get a big finish here now. All right, uh, when you get the group going. family now. Yeah, when you get, them, what, okay. get them going. All right. Here comes the good stuff, Senator, so really get into it. Just think of the words. Here it comes. Stand by. Ready? Oh, come on, wild thing. Not so ruthless, Senator. Uh, you make my heart sing. That's it. Snap your fingers, Senator. All right. Uh, That's come it. back to New York, wild thing. That's it. Uh, press ahead, wild thing. Think young, wild thing.